to the book of James, James chapter 5. We are quickly coming to an end of James. Be praying as uh, I try and figure out where the Lord's going to lead us next. Uh, James has been a good study. Well, they've all been a good study. I mean, it's, it's all good in the Bible, amen? Let's look at uh, James, and we're going to pick up in James 5, 7 here in a minute. In our last study of the book of James, we, we heard James preaching to those who were rich. Those who were rich. I'm off. Okay. White's up there doing, he's dancing. Good now? All right, let's start over. In our last study of the book of James, we heard James preaching to those who were rich. And this is what we learned from his study. James called out those who have more than they need. They have more than they need. Is there anybody in this room who can walk around their house or walk around their garage or walk around their outbuilding? I've got this little closet out back behind our house, and that's all I have to walk through. And for us to realize that we have, all of us have more than we need. We do. I almost wish that I could, I could hire somebody who is a, uh, an arbitrator to come into my house and I was just going to sit on the couch, Brother Frank, and Amy was going to sit in the, on the other side of the couch, and we were going to just say to this person, take out anything that you don't think we need. How much would be left? I mean, what we really need. I mean, why do we need two frying pans? Um, have you ever thought, I mean, we have so much junk that we don't need. Y'all know what one of the favorite, y'all are going to enjoy this. Y'all know what one of the favorite things to give people when they get married? A griddle. Did y'all get a griddle for y'all's wedding? How many griddles did y'all get? Two or three griddles. Y'all, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the chief cook in my house. There's never been a time in the afternoon when I'm sitting in my office and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to cook for dinner? I think I'll break out that griddle. I think tonight's going to be the night I'll break out that griddle because, I mean, you've got a frying pan. But we, we have so much junk just collected and sitting there. We have way much more than what we need. And then James told us that the, uh, who was rich and those who were rich should weep and mourn. We, we learned that our giving affects the lives of so many. And when we do not give, we're causing others to suffer. We also learned in our last study that in the eyes of the world, we Americans are considered rich. And this scripture applies to us more than we'd be willing to imagine, more than we even like to imagine, <coughs> just because where we were born and where we live. Tonight, James is, is going to teach that, that we need to, to do something and be something. And y'all, this used to, I mean, it used to, I mean, what he's going to talk about tonight used to be one of my main problems in life. Being patient. Be, is there anybody in here who's, who has a problem being patient? Anybody else? So it's not just me? It, it, this was not just, you know, look, look at Jackson over here. He's raising his hand. Yep. I've got a problem being patient too. So let's see what James has to say. James chapter 5, verse 7. James 5, verse 7. He says, Therefore, brothers, be patient until the Lord's coming. 
See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth to, and, and is patient with, with it until he receives the early and the late rains? You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Let's read that again. Brothers, do not complain about one another. Brothers, do not complain about one another. I wish the church was full. I wish the church was full right now. I, I, hope, I hope that everybody who is normally here on Sunday night is listening via the internet right now. Listen to, listen to me. Listen to what he, Gary, there's no way to misunderstand this, is there? He says, listen, James says, brothers, that's, you know, affectionate. You know, Stan, you're my brother. You're my brother. Listen to what he says. Do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers, Take the prophets who spoke, spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we, we count as blessings, blessed, those who have endured. You have heard Job's, of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome from the Lord. The Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Yes, he is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you again asking forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for, for James. And Lord, we thank you for him writing these words and it being recorded in the Bible that we would have these words so many years after he, you know, he, he, he wrote them. God, they, they just penetrate our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would allow that to happen tonight. The words that we hear, allow it to penetrate our hearts that we might be better Christians and better servants for you. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said... Amen. I, I, I've got to tell you this. The, how many Wednesday night people do we have in here that come in for the Wednesday night study? Okay, y'all hadn't been here. Y'all weren't here the week before. Bill, you ain't going to be happy, man. You ain't going to be happy with James. You're not. Is he, Desi? James, I mean, I know you love James. We, he, we've uncovered some stuff. We don't, we, you know, we're, we're upset about what James right now in the Wednesday night study. And it's been hard it's been hard for me to hear these words paralleled at the same time with what we're teaching in Acts 22 because we're seeing what James is saying and it's just like, James, come on. Now understand where we are in Acts 22 was 12 years after he wrote these words, but it's still hard to listen to what James is saying. But, but let me say this. And this is why I said all I want to say. These words are true. They don't reflect what we see necessarily in, in Acts chapter 22 from James right now. But nonetheless, the words that we read in the book of James tonight are true. We need to hold to them. So what do we see James saying? What's he tell us? First of all, he tells us to patiently await the Lord's return. Patiently await the Lord's return. Now, that's, that's easier for us than it is for a lot of people uh, in the world. It really is. 
patiently wait on the Lord's return. And this is why, because we're Americans. We live in the life of luxury. We really do. As I thought about this, I, I, I thought about a, uh, one of the, the last uh, vacations that Amy and I went on years, a few years back. We went on a cruise out of Jacksonville. And it was a Christmas, around the Christmas time. And as we were coming back the last night, the fog was so bad, y'all. So bad. They had to almost stop the ship. And he was honking the horn every 30 seconds because he couldn't see anything and he couldn't see anything on radar. Nothing. It was bad. And it was like 45 minutes from the ocean to the port where they docked. And the next morning, people were lined up down the hallways with their luggage to get off the ship that hadn't even, we were still out in the ocean. And they were complaining and crying. And I'm sitting back here looking at Amy and I said, yay. I mean, they were, they were sitting in the, the hallways lining up to get off this ship. And my wife and I, went to the back of the ship, took, you know, just sat there and we got some sun. While every, that's what, that, that's what he's, he's suggesting. Be patient. Be, be patient. There is nothing we can do, but we can be patient. Brother Kyle, that's, that's, that's kind of hard. Well, for Americans it's not. I mean, look what we have to be patient at. Right? Here in a few minutes, you're going to go home to your house that has electricity, has running water, has an indoor commode and shower. It does. It, it, it's got heat when it's cold and air when it's hot. Be patient. You, you go to your pantry and there is more than one thing in there to eat. You have more than one. You can, you can choose for more than one thing. Right? You go to your pantry and there, there's probably enough for at least a week. Well, yeah, Brother Kyle, but I, I still have to go to the grocery store. No, you don't. You really don't. If I didn't go to the grocery store and just ate what I had at my house, I, I could probably last for two or three months. You got that big of No, but I mean, it might not be what I want, but I can still eat. What, what do you, I, we have the perfect picture of being patient. Americans ought to be the greatest, most patient people in all the world. Yeah, go, go look on social media. Mm-mm. We're not. James says we need to be patient upon the Lord's return. For James to imply this directive to be patient, there must have been those who were impatient in their desire for the Lord's return. I'm ready for God to come. I'm ready for God to come. I'm ready for Jesus to come right now. I want Jesus to come. Well, here again, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I don't want Jesus to come. But I, I like life. I, I like where we are right now. We don't have any kids, you know, sucking money out of our wallets. Welcome to the club, Angela and Bill. We, 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 you know, we have grandchildren that, you know, they come and visit and we put them in their car and they go. I mean, it, it's a great time. It's a great time to be alive. Now, I mean, if Jesus came, I wouldn't be upset. But, I, I, you know, if we were doing a poll, I'd say, yeah, let's wait a little while longer. I'm kind of enjoying all this. That's because of who I am, where I am, where I am as American, and where I am in my life. But there are those who are impatient. Who in the world would be impatient and, and just, you know, almost belligerent? I want Jesus to come now. Well, who would be? Who would deserve to be that way? Well, church, many 
who would be impatient may have walked with the Lord, so they're void of not having him in their presence. And, and that would be like losing a mother or a father, a close family member. They, they might be ready, for, he, they might be one of the ones that James is talking to in his, his, his book and his scripture this, this evening. Be patient. I, I, know, I know you miss him, but there's others. Christians were facing persecution, and most definitely persecution was on the rise at this time of James' writing. The Jews were trying to squash the name of Jesus from the earth, and the Romans wanted to quiet the Jews and Christians alike. I mean, it, it wasn't like what you see on TV and, and what we have here in America. It, it was a desolate, desperate time back then, and they wanted Jesus to come. But there's another group. Then there are those who had heard all the teachings through the parables from Christ of the glory and majesty of heaven. Their life here on earth was misery, and they wanted the promise of heaven. They didn't want to wait. They wanted Jesus to come. And James is telling them, he's coming, be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Now, why is it so important for us to be patient on the Lord's return? Why do we need to be patient? Why does everybody need to be patient? Well, Scripture tells us uh, to look for his, his return and to expect it at any moment. But if we are impatient, it will cause us to make unwise choices in our lives. Now, let me say that again. Scripture tells us to look and be ready. But if we're not patient, it's going to cause us to make unwise decisions in our lives. Why being impatient for the Lord's return? How could that, being impatient, cause my life to be set in turmoil? Well, when trying to calculate the year, the day, and the hour of Christ's return, you're, you're going to drive yourself nuts. You, you really are. Well, who in the world does that? Hey, guys, I went to school with some guys who, who try and do that. I, I mean, really. He, he's, com he's, he's coming in 1989. I believe it, you know, I've, I've done this, I've adjusted this, and I've looked at this scripture, and you, hey, you go to Isaiah, and you look at this, and you, but, but no, no. And you can't talk them off the ledge. You cannot. And they spew it, and once you say it, once you stand in the pulpit and preach it, guess what? You can't take it back. Miss Virginia, you cannot take it back. Well, I didn't really mean that. I, I meant 1998, not town 1989. I, I had my, my numbers mixed up. No, you didn't. You just sit down. Sit down. You cause problems. There are those who have sold every possession in anticipation of his return. There, there's people right now, they're, they're, they're trying to buy land out in the middle of nowhere and just put a fence up and wait on Jesus' return. Well, that's great if you've got, you know, if you've, if you've got that, hey, hallelujah, go for it. But you're missing something. Well, what are you missing? I'm not bothering anybody. Anybody's, nobody's bothering me. You were told to go into all the world and tell them about Jesus Christ. You can't isolate yourself. And really, it doesn't matter where you are, you're not going to be protected. You're not, unless you're in the protective hand of God. Amen? You're not. But there's somebody else. 
When, when, when you make these unwise choices and, and you're not patient for the Lord, Lord's return, you make a mockery of the gospel with false predictions. You really do. Do you know there's people who have made these same predictions when they drive by our church? They think that we're the same kooks that they are. Did you see old Harold of First, First Thessalonian Corinthian Church of the, the Forefathers Baptist Church? He, he said this and this and this and this. And they drive by Chevis Oaks Baptist Church and they think, I bet that preacher's the same way. They make a mockery of not only what they're saying in their church and their believers, but every church that, that people drop, they think all of us are the same. The majority of people who are lost in America today think that the church doesn't preach on anything but tithing. You need to give 10%. You need to give 10%. How often do I preach on tithing? I probably need to preach on tithing more. I really do. But that's what they think. That's what they believe. When you, when you are impatient for the Lord's return, you make a mockery of the gospel with these false predictions. Understand this. For Christ to have come on any day that a man predicted, for, listen, for Christ to come, he's coming. Y'all know that, right? Jesus is coming. He said he was coming. And he came. He said he was going to die. He died. He said he was going to be resurrected. He was resurrected. He said he's coming again. That hadn't happened yet, but he's coming again. Amen? But for any man, for any man who predicted Jesus would come at a certain time would be unscriptural. If a man stood in a pulpit this Sunday and said, Jesus is coming on April the 17th at 4.30 in the afternoon, that's not scriptural. Look with me real quick. Turn, turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, look at verse 36. This is familiar scripture. Matthew 24, 36 says this. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Do you know who that includes? Brother Harold Smith Jones. He, he doesn't know. Well, hold on, Brother Kyle. He, he went to the, the, fir the, first, the first church of the, the covenant and he went to theological training, and he, listen, he got his doctorate. I don't care. Scripture says, now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son of How arrogant is that for a man, Brother Frank, to believe that he knows the day that Jesus is coming when the angels don't know? Y'all need to put that in your pocket. Because when you hear it, you need to walk up to Brother Harold and say, Brother Harold, let me, you mind if I show you a scripture that's read? That means that Jesus, Jesus wrote? Again, no one concerning that, now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, except the Father only, as the days of Noah were and the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days... Before the flood, there was eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. So this is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Then two, two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the meal, one will be taken, one left. Therefore, therefore, be alert since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. You don't know. So does Brother Harold know? 
No, he does not know. But know this. If the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you, you know who you are? You. That's right. This is why you must be ready because the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So for brother Harold to stand in the pulpit and say a day and a time, that's heresy. That's heresy. It's unscriptural. Charles Lowry once said, for us to cry out to the Lord for a quick return is heresy. Why is that? It goes against the commission that we were given. Right now, if the Lord were to return, between 6 billion and 6.5 billion people would suffer through the tribulation. If the Lord decided to destroy the earth, which that's not, I mean, not, you know, but if he decided to destroy the earth completely and totally and us go to heaven, Christians go to heaven and everybody else who didn't accept Christ go to hell, between 6 billion and 6.5 billion, if not more, people would die and go to hell. Is that startling to y'all? He tells us this because we must be patient for the sake of the lost. We must be patient knowing that the perfect will of God is in motion. Well, Brother Kyle, it seems like it's getting crazy. It is getting crazy. It seems like we're getting darker and darker. Y'all, listen, I, I agree with you. It seems like it's getting darker and darker. It seems like this world is getting more and more and more immoral. I, I, I get you. I agree. But we have to step back and understand that God is still in control and he knows everything that's taking place. This didn't catch him by surprise. It never does. It never catches God by surprise. James then tells us how to be patient. He tells us, he says, be patient like a farmer. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Crawford, you, 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 now you aren't a farmer by trade, but I mean, you, you, you throw out, what, about a half acre? He says, be patient like a farmer. While you're waiting, he says, strengthen your heart. Well, how can I strengthen my heart? I mean, I, I can't control my heart. How can I strengthen my heart? Jog? Well, you know, eh, I still have to take blood pressure medicine. And I used to jog five, six times a week. How can we strengthen our heart? Well, let's, let's start with Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all things will be added unto you. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in all things. In all things that we do. And while we're waiting, know that the Lord's return is near. Well, how can this, how can this be true? This writing, talking about the Lord, it didn't come in James' lifetime. How close is the Lord? How close is the Lord in His return? How close? Try this. A breath. A breath. I, I might inhale one breath and exhale, and I'm, I'm standing in the presence of the Lord. That, that's how it happens, right? How, how close are we to the presence of the Lord? A breath. I think that we would be absolutely startled. We have in our mind, and I, I'm guilty of it as well, 
we have in our mind that when we die, our eyes are going to close and we're going to see a, like a, a temporary, you know, a, a darkness of sort. And not, not a darkness as in satanic darkness, but just like a, a you know, darkness. And then we're going to see this light coming from somewhere. And this light is going to be a brilliant light. And we as Christians, we as children of God are going to be drawn to this, 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 this light. And we're going to float through this tunnel. You know, and, and we're flying, and it's a long tunnel. It's just long. And finally, after a period of time, we stand in front of the presence of the Lord. I, I think we're a lot closer than that, y'all. I, I really do. Well, can you prove it? I, well, I, I've never died. I, I can't prove it. But Jesus is a lot closer to us than we, we could ever imagine. He lives within us. Amen. He then says this, while you're waiting, do not judge one another. Y'all remember, I, I read that a couple of times. Y'all see that? Brothers, do not complain about one another. <coughs> Is there hardly ever a time that we come to church or we, we're around church people? That, I mean, you, you love them and you hug them, but there's just certain ones you come around. I mean, they, they gonna, you, you're going to hear the complaint department. Why is that? Y'all, why? Did you see what she did? Her, her children are nuts. Well, yeah, but so are yours. And we, we don't, we, and we as Christians, we, we need to walk away. We really do. And it's easier with some than others, but it's just like, uh, listen to what J James wrote this 2,000 years ago. Brothers, do not complain about one another. They were complaining about each other back then. Don't do it. Don't be a part of it. It's tough because it's a, it's, it's a reality. Well, what are we to do, Brother Kyle? What should we do? We should love one another. And I'm going to try this. Y'all help me. If y'all are around me when, when somebody comes up and complain, complains, and they, they might complain, y'all, I love this. I don't know who did it. I think I might know who did it. You go back here to the, the coffee pot. We got a curry back here in the kitchen. Is that you, Stan? Did you write those instructions on it? No. You, you didn't? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Me too, man. I, I'm glad they wrote it. But on the Keurig, I guess, I don't know, somebody wasn't doing it right. So instead of complaining, they just wrote the instructions on the Keurig. And it says, remove old cylinder. Put new cylinder in. Close cylinder. Push this button, not these buttons, and wait for your coffee. Remove old cylinder. I wish they would have put, enjoy your cup of coffee. <laughs> but somebody, I'm not going to say who, who it was, but his initials were Kyle Waddell, pastor of Chevis Oaks Baptist Church, wrote LOL right underneath it. I mean, I love it. I love it. Now, that person could have come to me and said, Pastor, listen, I, I, I've got a complaint. <laughs> The Keurig in the back is always... Vicki, you didn't write that, did you? What, you, didn't, you didn't write that on there? Huh? Courtney, is she lying? I can't tell. Huh? She doesn't know how to work those? Hey, li hey listen, Courtney, and we know she ain't cleaning it. I mean... <laughs> okay, you did write that one? I did write that. But I mean, it, 
somebody just come and complain? No, 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 don't complain. We are, there's not an American in this world that's not a good complainer. It's born within us. Well, what does Scripture, what does James say? Don't, don't complain. This is what I'm going to try to do. This is what I'm going to try. Caleb, this is what I'm going to try to do for now. If somebody comes and complains to me, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll say, Pastor, I want you to pray about something. That's how they start it off. They'll, they'll, and let's go back to an event that actually took place in the church. Y'all, can we do that? Brother Kyle, I want you to pray about something. Somebody is cutting their toenails in the church. And y'all, that's nasty. It is nasty. Y'all remember that, that actually took place. And I made an announcement from the pulpit, and I said something. We didn't know who it was. We had some ideas of who it might have been. But instead of listening to the complaints, you know what? You know, we, this is what we should say. But we love them still. That's nasty. They shouldn't have done that. But we love them still, right? I mean, you got to. I mean, I've got two boys. I mean, I found some of the nastiest stuff you ever see in their life in their rooms. Nasty. I mean, I used to go in there and clean it up because I couldn't stand the smell anymore. Steve, can I get an amen? I mean, just nasty. It stunk when the door was closed, Brother Frank. But I still loved them. That, that's what we need to do. When somebody comes to complain to you, Becky, if, if, when you get a phone call this week from the, the church complainer, just say, look, yeah, you're right, but we still love them. We still love them. That's what we have to do. James then says this, while you're waiting, do not judge. Love. He says this, then he says, the judge, the judge, the only judge is standing at the door looking. He's looking. Did y'all ever get busted when you were doing something you shouldn't have been doing? Really? The one that I remember the most, and I've never told this story, I don't believe, I've never told this story. When I was like five or six, my mother smoked Virginia Slims. My dad smoked True Blue Ultra Lights four packs a day. Okay, everybody smoked back in the 70s. Everybody. Everybody. We had ashtrays in every, every room in our house. Y'all remember all those ashtrays? They had standing ashtrays, table ashtrays. They had kitchen ashtrays, living room ashtrays. Y'all remember all those ashtrays? Those things are a novelty now at Goodwill. But they had ashtrays everywhere. Well, I was five or six years old, and I snuck in my mama's pocketbook, and I remember I got one of her Slim Jims. What is it? Virginia Slims. Not a Slim Jim. You can't smoke Slim Jims. You eat those things. And I went down to the bathroom of her, in her bathroom, and I lit one of them dudes up, and I was coughing like a bandit. And I looked over, and Mama was standing in the doorway. And kids lie. They'll lie. They'll lie. And I lied. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm lighting it for you, Mama. <laughs> the judge is standing at the door looking. And God is the judge. And just like your mama catching you when you busted, listen, I mean, you, we're busted. We're all busted. All of us right now. What should we be doing? Loving people to Jesus. Loving people to Jesus. That's what God wants us to do, love people to Jesus. We're told in Scripture, church, to go and tell others about the love of Christ. But I wonder what we'll get ourselves in more trouble over when we stand before the Lord. Number one, not going and telling the way we should or by not living our lives each and every day in such a way that points others to the love of God. 
probably going to get in trouble for both, Benji. But I wonder which one we're going to get in more trouble for. James then tells us to be patient like the prophets. Now, this one's a hard one. Be patient like the prophets. Church, the prophets preached. They were persecuted and suffered more than any of us could ever imagine to suffer. Anybody want to stand up and testify against what I just said? You can't. They were. They did suffer. God told Jeremiah at, at the very beginning of his ministry to not expect, to expect nothing but suffering. Hey, Jeremiah, I want you to come on board. I want you to be one of mine. You're, you're going to be one of my prophets. But I want you to understand something. You ain't got nothing coming in your life except for suffering. You ain't, don't even bother looking at a woman or thinking about marriage because your life is going to be a life of suffering. But something wonderful came from his and every other prophet's suffering. Think of all their suffering. Now listen, something wonderful came from their suffering. Y'all know what it was? We today are blessed by their sufferings. They suffered. We received the blessings from their sufferings. Brother Kyle, show, I don't understand. Show, show me a blessing from their sufferings. Right here. It's right here. The Word of God. Who will be blessed from what we call suffering? That hurt, didn't it? Who will be blessed by what we Americans call suffering? What have we ever gone through that will leave a lasting legacy for those who come to proclaim they are much better from our sufferings? Probably not many, huh, Stan? James finishes this scripture tonight by reminding us of the suffering of Job in verse 11. Now church, it's hard for us to imagine any man who suffered more than Jesus in scripture for the Lord to gain the glory uh, in the face of Satan more than Job himself. There's probably not another man in scripture other than Jesus, right? Job lost everything that God might gain glory from it all. Everything. The only thing he didn't lose was his wife, and that's probably one of the things he wished he would have lost. Church, Job suffered for a while, but his suffering for God did something amazing. Now, let, listen, I'll, I'll turn to it, and I'll read it. Y'all just, just sit there and listen. And Let's see, Job 42. Job 42, verse 10 says this. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his prosperity and doubled his previous possessions. All his, father, all his brothers, sisters, and former acquaintances came to his house and dined with him in his house. They offered him sympathy and comfort concerning all the adversity the Lord had brought on him. Each one gave him a getzpa, a piece of money, and a gold earring. Job had an earring. 
Now, I'm not saying men ought to wear earrings, but Job had an earring. So the Lord blessed the later part of Job's life more than the earlier. He owned 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He, he also had seven sons and three daughters. God blessed him. God blessed him tremendously because of his suffering. Church, this is a picture of our suffering. When we are in the midst of suffering, we have to know that even in, if it lasts five years or 20 years, it's still a short time in comparison to eternity and heaven with God. What could we suffer through that God's not going to bless us with with eternity? Brother Kyle, you just don't understand how hard my life has been. Yeah, but eternity is eternity. If you live to be 100 in your suffering, that pales into comparison to, a per, uh, to eternity in paradise. Amen? It really does. What can we learn from the night's lesson? Jesus is most definitely coming, but we must be patient and busy doing as he instructed till he comes. Be patient. We got to be patient. Are you willing to suffer just a little with a smile on your face knowing others are watching your suffering knowing you're a Christian? Are you willing? Will your suffering be a blessing for others who are coming behind you in the future generations as that of the prophets? You know who's really watching us more than most of all? Our children, they see what we've gone through. When they go through it, how are they going to act? Hopefully, the Christian way that you acted. If it's the Christ way that you did act. Church, are you willing to suffer that others might be blessed of God because of your sufferings? Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for this message. We pray that you would be with us right now during this time of invitation. Lord, if there's any that just need to come down and spend some time with you, we pray that you would give them the, the, the spirit and the freedom to walk these aisles and just come down here and kneel before you. Thank you, God, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. And Lord, thank you for your patience with us. In Jesus' name we do pray. With all heads bowed.